This episode is brought to you by Audi Canada. The Canadian Medical Association has partnered with Audi Canada to offer CMA members preferred incentive on select vehicle models. Purchase any new qualifying Audi model and receive an additional cash incentive based on the purchase type. Details of the incentive program can be found at audiprofessional.ca. Explore the full line of vehicles available to suit your lifestyle. The Audi driving experience is like no other. Immunization against the virus that causes COVID-19 is a top priority in Canada at present, with multiple levels of government working hard to vaccinate key populations as quickly as possible. The vaccination rollout is prioritizing healthcare workers, especially staff caring for patients with COVID-19. But as with other vaccines, some healthcare workers will opt not to receive it, which leads many people to wonder, can and should the vaccine be made mandatory for healthcare workers in Canada? I'm Kirsten Patrick, Executive Editor for the Canadian Medical Association Journal. Today, I'm talking to Colleen Flood one of the authors of the CMAJ analysis article that explores the legalities around mandating vaccination for healthcare workers. Colleen is a professor in the Faculty of Law at the University of Ottawa and the inaugural director of the University of Ottawa's Centre for Health Law Policy and Ethics. Hello, Colleen. Hi, Kirsten. So thanks for joining me today. Let's start off by you giving us a bit of insight into why you wrote this article for CMAJ. What are you and your co-authors talking about in your circles at the moment? Yeah, thanks, Kirsten. Well, um, my colleague, uh, Dr. Kumini Wilson and uh, Professor Brian Thomas and I have been thinking about questions around immunity certificates, vaccination certificates, and um, mandatory vaccinations, uh, partly because we're seeing, you know, a lot of discussion about access to vaccinations and who will get vaccinations and in what order. Uh, But we wanted to sort of try to think a little bit ahead of that and to think about the question of um, whether or not we we could or should actually require healthcare workers to be vaccinated, right? At the moment, all we can think about is people who want the vaccination not being able to get access to it. But over time, I think we're going to be starting to ask the question, well, you know, should we be requiring uh, certain categories of people, in this case, healthcare workers, to be vaccinated, both to protect themselves and their patients that they're working with, but other healthcare workers as well. So in the past, there has been mandatory vaccination policies in place, particularly for influenza, which you look at in this article. But I just wanted to talk about some um, the two routes that this might go by. In the article, you say that it could happen at the employer level or at the provincial government level. So could you talk us through the difference between those two and which one you think is best? For sure. And, you know, I think um, this is all fairly complicated um, legal questions, but uh, the important thing to understand is that there are really two policy routes to, to take here if we're looking at mandatory vaccinations. Um, The first is what has tended to happen in the past is that governments leave this up to the decision-making of individual employers. So up to regional health authorities or uh, different public hospitals, different long-term care homes, different retirement homes. You know, it's really up to those um, individual employers to make that decision. 
And if that happens, then we're really in the realm of labor law and we're looking at uh, what claims, for example, a union could make to contest a decision by an employer, for example, a public hospital, to mandate that healthcare workers be vaccinated for SARS-CoV-2. On the other hand, the other policy route would be if, and this is the policy route that we prefer, would be if the government set clear rules that would apply across all healthcare spaces. So across retirement homes, across long-term care homes, across um, public hospitals. Uh, we think that that's important and that we shouldn't just leave it, for example, to individual retirement homes to make decisions about whether or not to um, require the healthcare workers to be vaccinated or to individual public hospitals. Um, so in that case, if the government itself sets a clear rule, then it is much more clearly that that could be contested under the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. So really there are sort of two, um, two conduits, two policy conduits. One is if individual employers make this kind of decision and then we're in the realm of labor law. Uh, and the other is if, and the one that we prefer is if the government sets clear rules to apply across all healthcare spaces. And then I think we're in the realm of uh, a potential charter challenge. So a healthcare worker that didn't want to be vaccinated, bringing a challenge to a rule that the government may have that a vaccination is required. So let's circle back to that a little bit later. Yeah, sure. So when we're talking about SARS-CoV-2 vaccination, there are no legal precedents for this right now, but it could be a good idea for employers to mandate vaccination for healthcare workers. And why would that be? Well, the tricky thing, uh, as we point out in the article, is that right now we don't have um, clear slam dunk scientific proof that um, SARS-CoV-2 vaccination will prevent transmission um, of the virus. However, the expectation and certainly the hope is that that will be the case. Uh, but assuming, assuming that that does come to pass, then the, obviously the reason that we want healthcare workers to be vaccinated is to protect the patients, particularly vulnerable patients, that they're working with and other healthcare workers, as well as um, I think we also have a public interest in the healthcare workers themselves not falling ill with COVID so that they're able to provide care to patients. So there's a, a bunch of reasons there. Some are predicated on evidence coming forward or you know being demonstrated that the that the vaccination actually prevents transmission. But some are also grounded in just protecting the health of the healthcare worker, uh, him or herself, in a kind of instrumental way in that we, we need all healthcare workers uh, who are able to be providing care at this time. And that, that second function is sort of seems to be quite clearly um, supported by evidence from the trials that, that fewer people acquire the virus if they're vaccinated, so we can expect much less illness in vaccinated healthcare workers. That's right. So in the past, um, there have been mandatory vaccination policies in different uh, jurisdictions for influenza. And in your article, you look at some of the case law that's um, come out of uh, challenges to vaccination mandates for influenza. Can you tell us a little bit about that? 
Sure. So most of the case law so far is in labor law, because as I said, most of the decisions have been left to individual employers, so public hospitals and so forth. And so what happens then is uh, in the case of influenza, um, sometimes unions have challenged uh, efforts by hospitals to impose flu vaccination requirements on, for example, nurses or other healthcare workers on the grounds that uh, such a mandate is an unreasonable unilateral exercise of managerial rights. So on the whole, the, um, the way that the case law has evolved, which is when we're talking case law here, we're talking about decisions of labour arbitrators. On the way, the, the way that this has evolved is that labour arbitrators have upheld mandates and the mandates are you must be vaccinated or wear a mask in the time of an influenza outbreak. However, uh, outside of the context of an, of an outbreak, there is some decisions that suggest that such a mandate is an unreasonable exercise of managerial rights and have and the and these challenges have actually suggested that really there's no there's no evidence of benefits from wearing masks uh, and protective gear in that context, in the context of influenza. So I think all of this is very interesting because, of course, the evidence around masks and uh, personal protective clothing have um, evolved uh, considerably in the context of SARS-CoV-2. Uh, and so, you know, when we come to the question of vaccination for SARS-CoV-2, the, the context is very, very different from influenza. And I think that's a really important point to take away from this is that the case law, if you like, and the responses, of how the law has responded to mandates for influenza vaccine will be different uh, for SARS-CoV-2 because the context of SARS-CoV-2 is so very different. And so when you were talking about government mandates, um, so that would mean that the government would say that all healthcare institutions would need to require vaccination for workers who were in contact with patients. When that happens, you're talking, I think, at the provincial level because the federal government doesn't hold that sway. Yeah. So what would be the consequence of that? How would that make things easier for employers or not make things easier for employers? And how would people challenge something like that potentially? I think it would make it easier for employers that, you know, they wouldn't have to um, take this on vis-a-vis -vis a challenge from unions individually. They'd be able to rely on a clear rule from um, the provincial territorial government about what needs to happen uh, across the board. Uh, but as I said, then it would be much more clearly subject to a charter challenge because it is a government action, which uh, is something that an individual could bring a challenge for example, under Section 7 of the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, which protects one's rights to life, liberty and security of the person. So um, requiring somebody to have a vaccine uh, may be seen as an encroachment upon one's liberty and security of the person. Now, to be clear, when we're talking about mandatory vaccines here, we're not actually talking about holding somebody down and you know sticking a needle in them when they physically are resisting but rather to say that you know if one doesn't want to have the vaccine then uh, one may have to stay home from work uh, without pay or possibly that that one has to wear 
personal protective clothing or something along those lines. So when we talk about a mandate, we're not actually talking about a pure mandate or a hard mandate, but rather that you probably have an unpalatable option of not being paid if you aren't vaccinated. So um, the question is whether or not one could bring a challenge to that under Section 7 of the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Now, what we argue in the in the paper is that provided you know that this isn't uh, physically forcing anybody to have a vaccination against their will, but rather giving them this um, unpalatable, perhaps economic option of not being paid, that we don't think um, that this is uh, engaging with one's Section Seven liberty and security interests, because this is what we would describe as an economic right. And Section 7 of the Charter has not historically protected economic rights like the right to practice a profession um, or essentially to earn money. So uh, we don't think it would be engaged by Section 7 of the Charter. Um, but e even if we're wrong about that, we think that otherwise the government could defend it under other aspects of the Charter analysis. So, for example, that um, to require a mandatory vaccination in the context of uh, SARS-CoV-2 is in accordance with the principles of fundamental justice. This is a, another aspect or part of the test of Section 7. And then going on from that, um, that it was it's also defensible under Section 1 of the Charter, which basically says that the um, deprivation of the right has to be proportionate or reasonable. And again, all of this is in the context of COVID-19 and SARS-CoV-2. So all of the factors, you know, the risks of COVID-19, uh, the harm that's being caused by it, the benefits and evidence about the vaccine, all of these things have to go into the mix to determine uh, whether or not a mandate for a vaccination for healthcare workers is justifiable under the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. I'm sorry, it's a lot to go now. Oh, it's... All great. So thanks for clarifying those nuances. If we come back to the individual healthcare worker, you talked about choices that they might have. You talked about vaccinate or mask and vaccinate or wear PPE or vaccinate or, and stay home. Mm -hmm. Now, if an individual healthcare worker were to argue that they needn't be vaccinated because they are complying fully with um, PPE requirements, would that justify their right to not have a vaccine? As we say in the article, we think that's probably the, the greatest likelihood of a challenge is, is to a mandate is a, um, is a healthcare worker arguing, well, look, you know, I, I don't want to be vaccinated and I'm wearing PPE um, or I'm taking other kinds of precautions. And so um, this is sufficiently protective of, of folks and of myself. So... Uh, on that score, again, it's going to come down to the evidence. And it's very important for governments, if they wish to uphold a mandate, to carefully consider that evidence. That's the first thing. They can't just not look at it. They have to consider the evidence of the benefits of vaccination, the extant evidence, and the um, extant evidence of the benefits of PPE and masking. Um, and other factors might come in here, such as, you know, when people are using PPE, how well do they use it, um, the cost and, uh, you know, prospects of securing appropriate PPE, all of those things 
might come into the mix into into considering whether or not uh, it is you know essentially reasonable for um, a healthcare worker to say, I don't want to be vaccinated. I just want to wear PPE. So we think that you know applying the precautionary principle, the governments would still be within uh, the realm of reasonableness if they are asking healthcare workers to be vaccinated. And of course, at the beginning, you know, as we're rolling this out, we'll be um, healthcare workers will be wearing PPE and being vaccinated all at the same time. But we think applying the precautionary principle, it is reasonable for um, governments to say, look, we, we want you to be vaccinated as well as wearing PPE. And over the longer run, that PPE should not be a substitution for vaccination. But as I say, you know, that it is really important. Governments can't just say this, they actually need to really consider it. And I think the, we argue that the federal government should really be helping the provinces here, collecting the real world evidence of how the vaccine is working, you know, in the different populations that weren't included in the trials and the evidence of the relative efficacy of PPE and masking and so on in, in different situations so that provincial governments have the best evidence base from which to make these policy determinations about um, vaccine mandates and to calibrate them over time. What about exemptions for a vaccine mandate? Yes, absolutely. And I should have actually reiterated this to be to um, before, but to be constitutionally um, compliant, as we say, to, to survive a charter challenge, then um, there clearly has to be exemptions for some categories of individuals. So, for example, are those who, for health reasons, are unable to take the vaccine and those for whom there is genuine religious or conscience objections. Um, there'll be very few real religious you know, objections to having a vaccine. And conscience objections are a little bit more complex because one might imagine that people who are just, you know, anti-vaxxers perhaps or suspect of um, vaccinations, you know, suspicious of pharmaceutical companies and governments and so forth. Um, the extant law is that I, I don't th think that uh, an anti-vaxxer can essentially argue a conscience objection. But still, you know, those with genuine religious or conscience objections, they will need to be exempted uh, under any mandate as well. And then, as, as we've just discussed, Kirsten, there is the question of whether or not an individual could argue that they uh, should also be exempted if they, if they wear PPE. And as discussed, we, we uh, contend that no, they shouldn't. In the next few months or a year as the vaccine rolls out and people are being vaccinated what do you see as uh, the possibilities for mandating vaccination or not in Canada? Well I, I think um, despite what we would like to see I think unfortunately provincial and territorial governments are more likely just to leave this to individual employers and I think that's you know, so we'll have sort of spotty kinds of implementation across the country. And what I worry is that, uh, as we've seen with our focus on hospitals and physicians, um, as opposed to 
long-term care homes and personal support workers and so on, is that this kind of approach will mean that where we have the most vulnerable is not necessarily where we will see um, all the people that should be vaccinated being vaccinated, aka the, the healthcare workers and personal support workers, I would include there. So that is our concern. And, you know, the politics of COVID-19 in Canada has been one of, I think, for me, you know, deflection of accountability and devolution of decisions to to more the local level, right, to individual public health units, to individual long-term care homes, etc. And I think we've worn the consequences of that. What I would like to see, um, and I think my co-authors too, is that that really provincial and territorial governments start to seize the metal of their responsibilities here. I mean, we've we've sort of, I think a lot of this our decision making has been predicated on the hope of the vaccine. Well, the vaccines are here, so let's make sure that we um, we deploy them appropriately, and and that we really have our eye on all of where the risks are. Uh, and that requires that we set some firm rules across both private and public settings. So I think it's it's important to underscore that in this article, we're not talking about a blanket vaccine mandate for the whole population. You're just talking about um, healthcare workers and their particularly important role in keeping the population safe, as it were. Absolutely. Yeah, no, we're not talking about um, across the board vaccination. That would be the topic for a, a separate paper. But, the, you know, the evidence is about the risks. The risks and the benefits are very important for a legal analysis. And so, you know, the particular risks for healthcare workers and the impact on this, on their uh, ability to deliver healthcare in the context of the pandemic, you know, are critical to how a court would approach the review of any charter challenge or any labour law challenge to a mandate. Well, thanks for this great discussion and thank you for joining me today. It's been very enlightening. It's been my pleasure, Kirsten, and um, thank you very much for your interest in this. I've been speaking with Professor Colleen Flood of the University of Ottawa. To read the article she co-authored, visit cmaj.ca. And don't forget to subscribe to CMAJ Podcasts on SoundCloud or a podcast app. Let us know how we're doing by leaving a rating. I'm Dr. Kirsten Patrick, Executive Editor for CMAJ. Thank you for listening. <laughs>